You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for a very Merry Christmas or a very depressing, immature, stupidity-filled Christmas. We're not sure yet, because we haven't had a chance to discuss, uh, as we're obviously having to ditch our Christmas movie month for the first time ever. Uh, thank you very much, Star Wars, for sucking up months of our lives and 50 hours, all for the worst Star Wars movie ever, Rise of Skywalker. But now I get to talk about something that maybe sucks just as bad. <laughs> we're not sure yet. I'm not entirely sure how to feel about this, even though I've seen it before. And we're back with more Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Not only are we doing Christmas, but we're doing a Jonathan Taylor Thomas Christmas. This is an extension of our JTT random rewatch month that Rossi and I did back in September. And we're here to talk about the 1998 classic... I'll be home for Christmas, otherwise known as JTT gets a Santa suit glued to him. Uh, As always, and probably for the last time this year, my name is Colin, and hey Jingle Balls, move your candy canes. And my name is Rossi, and (laughs) 149286. 149286. Um... Where do we start? Um, first of all, we're just saying, we are imposing the 60-minute Oz Network rule on this episode for multiple reasons, but uh, most importantly because there's not going to be that much to talk about. This is a pretty straightforward movie, and before we even get into covering the whole recap and everything, I don't know if, Rossi, you had any knowledge of this movie at all. Um, you know, you're obviously just as big of a JTT fan as I am, maybe more of a big JTT fan, you just haven't been exposed to as many different things, but... Uh, I remember when this movie came out, and it was one of these things where it's like, okay, that's Jonathan Taylor Thomas, you know, Home Improvement was my favorite show, Uh, maybe I'll go see this, I never got around to seeing it, I honestly only saw this for the first time, probably, it was less than 10 years ago, I mean, I'd say maybe between 5 to 10 years ago, and it was on TV, and... The crazy thing is, I remember watching and being like, yeah, that was a pretty good movie. And that's one of the reasons why I said, oh, we got to do something for Christmas this year. We'll do something else, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. It needs to be I'll Be Home for Christmas. And rewatching this movie, I'm like, I literally remember nothing before the Santa race. It's like the Santa race and on. That's the only memory I have of this movie. But Rossi, had you even heard of I'll Be Home for Christmas? Nope. (laughs) And now that you have nope. heard of it and seen it, what's your initial impression? Um, way better than I was expecting. Oh, <laughs> nice. Um, so, um, that's something. It's very typical JTT um, production with, you know, him being the star and sort of every other guy is like nowhere near at his level mm. of charm and sophistication and cleverness and uh you know looks like no one will ever surpass him so that's typical uh but the cheesiness like i didn't think it was super cheesy which i was expecting i was expecting it to be like this really like christmasy message and all this kind of stuff so like i felt like it was fresh not fresh but like i felt like it was not as predictable as you may think for a christmas movie you know uh, it, it just felt like more relatable than like some of the cheesy hallmark christmas movies that you'd get produced at this time of year yeah like let's be honest this is not one of our christmas classics i mean we've covered die hard we've covered the santa claus we covered white christmas um we covered santa sleighs and santa with muscles last year um this is sort of in between the santa with muscles and i don't know the 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 muppet christmas carols like it's 
it's your typical 90s teen comedy. I don't think that a lot of this stuff works, but like it's it's certainly not as bad as a lot of the other teen comedies at the time, but it's just weird because as I said, I remember the Santa race on and I feel like everything that leads up to that like there's just it, it there's too much in there. It it I don't feel like the jokes and the tone really land, but the thing that the, the reason that I appreciate this movie still is still Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like he's just he's no matter what role he's in we watched him back in september we play you know the smart uh smart um smooth talking you know home improvement kid we watched him play the sleazy rich guy in last man standing we watched him play the serial killer (laughs) in smallville uh and then just the all-american boy in wild america and this is like I feel like this is if his character from Home Improvement just didn't have a conscience. Um, <laughs> but he has the charm to pull it off, which is what I think does work about this movie. Um, we're going to kind of jump into this really quickly here. But I just want to point out, this is supposed to be a movie about a kid in college, right? I, I thought it was high school. That's what like, I he thought. Looks so young. It's not just him. It's like every character. His friend... Well, we'll talk about the friend in a second. Yeah, even yeah. yeah, he he looks like he's probably hasn't even hit a puberty yet. I mean, I don't think anybody in this movie He looks like your children. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Casper could have played this this kid, Ian. Um, but it, there's just other problems with this, which I'll kind of get into here. But if we're ready to kind of jump into this, uh, the movie starts out with a kid in a locker, <laughs> and JTT, you know, is doing all of his con work uh we just kind of instantly get that he's this con man around high school college whatever it is i'm totally with you i actually remembered this movie as him being at some type of boarding school and and because everybody here just looks like a high school student they all act like it's high school um the age doesn't match up with how long he's apparently been here uh but he's got a kid in the locker like are there a lot of colleges out there that have lockers and are there a lot of college university guys who shove other kids in lockers i don't understand that at all but he finds a kid in the locker who is we find out later on is his only real friend and yet he makes him pay up before he gets him out of his own locker with the, the giving the combination and everything he's like you got my dave matthews band tickets you got my plane tickets to Cabo, and this is supposed to be his friend like really i i feel like without jonathan taylor thomas playing this role this this guy is super unlikable i mean maybe that's the point of the movie but uh he finally gets his friend out of the locker and we find out that there's somebody who's upset you know this is a, a group of guys who are upset and he's gonna have to make right with them we get a lot of stuff going on at this boarding school college uh in southern california um we get him dealing in contraband granola bars to get into his girlfriend's room like this was really weird the roommate of his girlfriend won't let him in unless he gives her the stuff and he's giving her granola bars <laughs> like, it's just kind of bizarre Uh, And then we get introduced to probably the most famous person to come out of this movie, sadly, Jessica Biel, who uh, I'm going to be right up front and say I have always hated. I cannot stand Jessica Biel. I think she's a terrible actress. I think she's annoying. Um, I I remember watching her... I not at the time this movie came out, but like after this on a TV show that she kind of made it big on called Seventh Heaven, uh, which also another actor, the actor who plays Eddie, was on Seventh Heaven as well. And I love that show, and she was just the one character that I just could not stand. So I don't know, maybe I could tolerate her more if I didn't have to deal with her in Seventh Heaven, but because I like that show and just didn't like her, I have so much trouble watching her in here. Um, he's 
trying to be smooth with her. Uh, he says it's snowing or whatever, and she turns around, and it's actually snowing. But no, he's just made his slave boy, Ian, dump fake snow off the roof. Uh, he wants to take her on this vacation to Cabo, and she's like, no, I want to go home for Christmas and, you know, uh, have a tree and eggnog and stockings and stuff like that. And he's like, well, that's, that's not my plan or whatever. Um, we breeze through this movie here is that, uh, he doesn't want to get, ho- go home for Christmas. So there's a big difference here. Uh, Eddie gets introduced here. So this is the, the rival for JTT. And the actor, Adam LaVorgna, who was also on Seventh, Seventh Heaven, was actually dating Jessica Biel in real life. So I don't know if she just called in a favor to get her boyfriend on the show. Um, but quickly before I just continue on, tell me what your feelings are on both Jessica Biel and Adam LaVorgna as Eddie here. Um, I knew the name. Like, I saw her and I was like, she looks familiar. And then I realized that it was Jessica Biel. Don't know much about her. Um, except she's married to Justin Timberlake. Yeah. So... <laughs> In the, in the wave of his recent controversies, I've heard her name a lot. Mm. Um, and uh, Eddie's character and kind of the actor I'm more familiar with, I don't know too many things about him. But, like, I like, in terms of the movie, I like the characters. No real opinion on the other actors except for JTD. Mm. So. Uh, I just, this is just a quick shout out to Adam LaVorgna. This is like one of those nine. Yeah, I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, Adam LaVorgna. <laughs> But uh, this is one of those guys that I remember, like, I wasn't really watching Seventh Heaven at this time. I think I got into the show later on. Uh, but, you know, maybe after this was made, you know, his character, I guess, had already been introduced. But he was sort of playing the non-funny version of Eddie on Seventh Heaven, you know, as the boyfriend to Jessica Beale on that show. And apparently he just only gets roles playing her boyfriend. I wonder how that happened. But uh, he was another character I just hated on that show. He just was... You know, no personality, super unlikable. And then when Jessica Beale left the show of Seventh Heaven or took like a hiatus, you know, with limited episodes, they decided to promote him kind of in her spot and totally change his character. And he became like really funny. Like he basically became like a JTT. He was like super funny, super charming, you know, really entertaining, very charismatic. And he became like my favorite thing on that show. And I don't think he's ever done anything outside of this, but that's one actor. It's like he really could have made it big, but. Unfortunately, he could only get roles as Jessica Biel's boyfriend, so uh, we never get anything else from him. Um, there's the guys that he was in trouble with here, the fake ID guys, because their fake IDs didn't work. They're holding up JTT. Um, he wants to make it right with them by helping them get out of this test they have to take. Like Again, oh, this is all like high school stuff. It's not even like realistic high school. This is like movie TV show high school, but it's all supposed to be college. Uh, and JTT is going to help them pull off, you know, cheating on this test or whatever. We find out that his dad knows that he cashed in the ticket that he was supposed to use to come home for Christmas so that he could go to Cabo. And uh, he basically says, you know, I want you to come home for Christmas. You haven't, you know, even come home since your mom died and he got remarried, which is going to become very important. Uh, he says, I want you home. So does Carol. Carol's a stepmom that he doesn't like for no reason at all. And uh, there's kind of a funny moment here. The, 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 a few of the little comedy things. I think what this movie's just feeling 
it's just being kind of being nice and you know feel good that's where it works this is a very similar movie like tim allen's christmas with the cranks which we reviewed a few years ago where when it's going for the really outrageous comedy it's sort of like that's not that funny but when it's sort of just being like this nice sweet christmas movie you're like oh that's that's i kind of like this uh but this scene where his dad's like i want you to come home and then you know the stepmom he's like carol wants you to come home and she's nodding yes and then he turns to his little sister tracy who's just shaking her head no 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 he goes even tracy wants you to come come home um i kind of like the the little sister character but he basically makes a deal with him he says i will give you the porsche this you know incredible fancy vintage porsche that they had worked on you know growing up if he comes back to new york and he says okay fine deal um quickly with the rest of the stuff here in the high school college uh ian sneaks the test out of the room that the 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 guys here the fake id guys are taking he goes to his room. He just goes onto his computer. He just starts beeping them. They all have beepers, which is something that dates this movie. And then Eddie walks in and realizes he's helping them cheat on the test. And uh, he just beeps these guys back. Game over, you lose. So they're going to hold Jonathan Taylor Thomas and this Ian guy um, accountable for that. And um, uh, basically the setup of the movie here is that as he he basically says to his girlfriend okay i'll go home for christmas with you i'll drive you home you know at this time tomorrow he doesn't show up they take jtt hostage um they drop him in the middle of the desert this is sort of the hook for the movie he wakes up in the middle of the desert in a santa suit with a buzzard (laughs) charging at him which i kind of wish the buzzard would make more appearance of the movie or this could have been like a buddy cop with buddy comedy thing with a buzzard uh and he quickly realizes the suit is glued on him, which is the most absurd thing ever because we see parts of this fall off and there's no damage at all. But still, that's the setup for the movie. This college thing is what I want to kind of focus on here because they say you haven't been home since your mom died and his dad got married 10 months later. So let's assume that, you know, 10 months is what was from when his mom died until his stepmom came into the picture. They've clearly been married for a while. He's at college. They say he's 18 in this movie. How many years has he been at college? Did he go to college when he was 15? Because if this were, if he were 18 years old and in college, he would have been there for only a few months, not like 10 months plus after his mom died. So there's this huge timeline problem here, but this is apparently supposed to be college. But uh, what do you think of the the first little introduction stuff in the movie? Uh, All the little side characters are not going to matter later on. And then the the hook of he wakes up in the desert glued to a Santa suit. One thing I really liked about the movie was the characters. I felt like there was like a real, like a realness to them. Like everyone felt like a real person. Like, yeah, your sister doesn't want you to come home, but the dad's going to be like, even your sister wants you to come home. And like the mom, stepmom seemed really sweet. Like she seemed real. She was doing a lot of the like work and the dad, like other than the Porsche deal was a really real dad like mm-hmm. come on come home for christmas and all that kind of stuff like it felt like real characters which i really liked it didn't feel like something so ridiculous so out of the world out of like possibility of happening and stuff like that so that was good the setup of this movie was ridiculous <laughs> like i don't mean like him being lost and having to go home i mean the literal setup of him getting to the desert was the most convoluted thing like ever mm-hmm. like he's got a first bribe this roommate to get into his girlfriend's room like what with granola bars (laughs) yeah and it didn't seem like she was like oh like i hate him like it was just like a 
I'm funny. Haha. Like, let me sneak in. Like, it made no sense. And then why is this kid his lackey? Like, <laughs> like, uh, it's like, um, cause he's 12 every- and everybody there's bigger. <laughs> JTT is bigger than somebody in the school. So he's going to pick on somebody. I guess so. But it makes no <laughs> sense why this kid is like his own secretary doing everything. Um, and then the whole setup of like the Eddie sees the kids throw the test out the window. Like they needed fake IDs and now they need test help and like, he's going to do it. And then he gets stuffed into a locker. Like there could have been 10 different ways that they could have sorted this out. And also what are they doing? If this is like finals, like college stressful (laughs) time, why are they going out to the middle of the desert to bully this one kid? Like, it's just so much effort and so much work. Like it's not even worth it. And there are, there are a lot of tests or exams that are given on December the 22nd, (laughs) the last day of school before Christmas. It's, (laughs) it's stupid. I didn't even think of that. Um, but once you get the hook in there of him in the Santa suit, like, were you expecting that at all? Was it spoiled by the poster? No. <laughs> I was, I, I didn't see anything. All I saw about it was he was in the Santa suit, but I'm like, that, that literally, that literally couldn't mean anything. It's hmm. a Christmas movie. Um, all I knew about the movie going in was that he was estranged from his father is what the little write up said that I saw before I watched it. Hmm. Uh, but I thought the, the gimmick of it was fun. Like he's stuck in the middle of nowhere in a Santa suit that they literally like glued to him. Like, I thought that was funny. And how do you glue a Santa suit to something? Like, here's my, I'm going to cover all the stuff's going to come up later and I'm just going to go over it now. But like he's glued into the Santa suit. Okay. So first we see he can't pull the beard off. It makes sense. You might be able to glue a beard to somebody's face. Later on, we see him vomiting in a car and somehow from him vomiting, the beard just comes off. The hat comes off when Jessica Biel rips it off of his head and none of his hair is damaged. In fact, it's still perfectly styled. <laughs> and, and you would think glue this strong that's been on for days would rip stuff off. And if the suit is somehow glued to his body, because he actually tries to take the suit off, shouldn't it be like pressed against his skin? This thing is like super baggy for something that is glued to his skin. It doesn't make sense. It's a very cool premise, but you think they could have done something else like like other than just it's glued to him. Yeah, where was all the chains like tying yeah. his hands and feet or whatever and <laughs> shackles straining him <laughs> yeah the duct tape or something mm-hmm. um eddie kind of becomes a major part of this movie here because after jtt no shows picking up his girlfriend or driving her home isn't it amazing that they're all just going to the same place like how many new york kids i don't get why like the father was like oh this is such a prestigious like opportunity to go study in california <laughs> but like half the population is like in from New York going to this high school yeah. college in California <laughs> with lockers and tests yeah. the last day before vacation. <laughs> this school is like needs to be scrutinized yeah. for their practices. <laughs> um, but uh, Eddie offers Jessica Beale a ride instead and she doesn't want to take it because he's sleazy. Uh, but uh, after you, know, he, she says something to him like, um, uh, if you feel me up, I'm going to slug you. Um, oh, he has a great line when he tries to get her in there. It's like, let's blow this pop stand. I got butt warmers in the seat. And I'm like, what a terrible line. Um, I just feel bad he had to pull off that line. But then, yeah, it's like, if you feel me up, I'm going to slug you. Uh, so she decides to ride with him. Now, <laughs> here's my other problem with this, okay? 
It was the day before that he said, let's go to Cabo. And she's like, no, I want to go home for Christmas. How was she getting home? Because him saying, okay, I'll go home for Christmas with you. She already knew he didn't want to go home for Christmas. And then he surprised her and says, we're going to Cabo. Here's the plane tickets. She's like, no, I'm going home. And then when she can't get a hold of him, she has to take a ride from Eddie. What was her initial plan to get home? Because he wasn't it. Is it ever explained? Well, I think they... They said that she was going to get a ride with, like, some friends that day. Like, that they were going to leave a day earlier or something like that. Which, I guess, d- makes sense in terms of, like, travel time. But makes no sense if there were exams still going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's skipping her, her midterms for this. Not to mention, you think her boyfriend would know. She's like, oh, I'm going to be going for home for Christmas. So it's, okay, when are you leaving? Today? Like, he wouldn't know that at that point? Uh, but anyways, it's a dumb teen comedy. We can't nitpick too much. Um, so <laughs> JTT finds a gas station in the middle of nowhere. Um, he tries calling her. All he can get out of the voicemail is something like Santa, Desert, Buzzard, Left for Dead or something like that. And um, he has to... Uh, I don't even remember what his first ride is here. Is it the old ladies or he just starts walking? The old women. Yeah, the old women come <laughs> first. The, go see Tom Petty the, or Tom Ford. The, yeah, the Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where they're like, uh, oh, we're riding this. If you don't mind Tom Jones, do you have what's new Pussycat? Because he's like faking his tears. And I do like all of his little cons that he does here. Um, and he hitches a ride with the old ladies. Now, I think this is part of where my problem with the movie is they introduce these really wacky ideas that lasts for about 30 seconds. And for a movie that is less than an hour and a half, you think that you could have gotten by with maybe a half a dozen different characters, wacky characters he meets. But I swear, it's like a new one every 30 seconds here. Uh, but this, I just wish it would have been a little bit longer because this was some of the funny stuff in the movie with the old ladies. And, and it's like the, the one who's asleep on him or whatever. And then the, here, hold, hold her teeth or put her teeth back in her mouth. Like, yeah, it's gross out, but it's kind of funny. And the, one of the few good lines they have in this movie is where he, JTT starts to barf and his beard comes off because vomit strips glue. I don't know. Uh, and they say something like, Santa just yammied in your handbag. <laughs> like, yeah, I've never heard the phrase yammied before, which is great. Um, I honestly don't know how the beard comes off when he pukes. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, so they kick him out of the car. Uh, right across the street, coincidentally, he sees his girlfriend and Eddie, but he can't get to he them in time. He is the slowest driver. I know! Like, all throughout this movie, there's no possible way that JTT on foot, like getting stopped by police <laughs> like getting on a public bus that's probably going very slow yeah. like on the interstate like should not catch up yeah and, and, then it, and it reverses later on when jessica beale somehow beats him home which makes it even weirder but uh he just misses them um he uh gets stuck trying to hitchhike overnight so we know a long time passes here uh because he's stuck in the rain and the rain turns to snow in the middle of the desert like i don't think they've gone that far it still looks like the desert and it starts snowing he finds a sleigh with a fake santa in it he talks to santa for a bit i don't know why and then he kicks him out of the sleigh wakes up in the morning uh and here we get introduced to probably one of the funnier wacky characters and, and i think that's partly because they let these next two characters run for longer periods of the movie and this is this this weird guy driving the truck full of stolen electronics um when he's 
dropped his tomato from his burger and he's trying to pick it off the filthy floor and then you slowly see JTT almost getting run over by him but it's like he's driving so slowly not looking at the road and JTT's running about like I don't know uh, like uh, four feet per minute (laughs) and he eventually slams on the brakes we think he just ran over Santa he thinks he ran over the real Santa and Instead, JTT just fell in the snow. So he helps him out and he gives him a ride. Now, another huge weird thing about this, which I thought, okay, that's a plot hole. Until I realized that's actually kind of a funny little plot hole, is this guy he's talking, which I can't remember the name of. He says, you know, you know you've been talking to me or whatever for two hours already. And this guy is still eating the tomato and his burger. Like, the tomato is separated from the burger. It has taken him two hours and he's taking his first bites here. Um, the cops pull them over. So this... Guy he meets, uh, he basically says, okay, I got a plan how to get us out of this because JTT can smooth talk his way out of anything. And he says, I'm Santa, you're going to be my elf. Well, how do I be an elf? Just look happy. And he gives the most ridiculous face. Um, <laughs> I wish that I could have made this my profile pic, but uh, this ridiculous face trying to be an elf. They swap seats in the vehicle and JTT spins this story about, you know, we're just you know driving to drop presents off for all these sick kids. And the cop's like, at whatever hospital? Yeah, 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 that's the one. All right, well, I guess you guys can go. And they think they're free. It's like, let me give you a police escort there. So now they are obligated to go. Um, I really love when they get in the hospital here. And they they don't even really set up what the joke is. They just cut to him inside the hospital with kids all around him. And he's got a kid on his lap. It's like, well, little girl, what you get for Christmas is this um, toaster. And it has three heat settings. (laughs) And he starts reading off the Black & Deck or whatever. And then the next little boy, he's giving like a dustbuster or something like that. Because it's just stolen stuff. And the little boy gives him this very long-winded story, which they probably could have saved, you know, a good five minutes of screen time if he didn't mention every member of his family he wanted to see. That I just want to go home for Christmas and see my mother and my father and this person, this person. He basically makes everybody cry. Uh, we cut to the dumb elf guy who is calling and saying he wants to come home for Christmas to somebody. Then we cut to the cop who's apologizing to his girlfriend or his or his wife, I guess. And then JTT is about ready to go. He uh, meets up with the cop. The cop says, you know, hey, I want you to come home and, you know, help me to surprise my wife and help me get my wife back. Whatever it is. No, sorry, I got somewhere to be. And when he realizes the cop's going to Wisconsin, he says, oh, Wisconsin, okay, I'll come with you. Um, they get to Wisconsin, and this cop sends him in to try to smooth over his wife or apologize to his wife. And while they're on the walkie-talkie, which is amazing that this cop can talk to him and hear them on the walkie-talkie, despite the fact JTT is not pressing any button, uh, we find out that uh, the reason she dumped him is because she caught him staying out late at night uh, at what restaurant was it? Applebee's, Smitty's, I don't know. (laughs) And I said, well, that's not that bad. It's like uh, he was with his ex-girlfriend. He was kissing her. And it's like, oh, well, it was probably just, you know, uh, a little brotherly, sisterly kiss. It's like it was with tongue. Uh, And I really like this cop story. Um, uh, Eventually, JTT comes out and says, sorry, I can't do anything. No, you got to help me, Santa. He's okay. He has an idea. There's some band that just happened to show up at this diner in Wisconsin he sends them in. They sing another very long-winded. This is something they could have cut a little bit out of. Uh, this Oh Christmas Tree song that goes on for about 10 minutes, 11 minutes or something, uh, where he's apologizing to his wife. Eventually, she takes him back. They thank him. Um, and 
let's break kind of here uh, before we get to well he he buys them a ticket to New York so this is where JTT is finally on track he's been sidelined going to the hospital he's been sidelined here and yet still he's probably only about 10 minutes behind the world's slowest driver Eddie Ooh, a lot to cover <laughs> one thing I liked and that I didn't expect was that Eddie essentially is the villain of the movie mm-hmm. um like I like that he was a part of the whole like story, like pretty much from beginning almost to the end. He yeah. was there. Unlike kind of like in Wild America, where that like douchey like guy from the farm area like is only there in the beginning and at the very end during the movie screening and we're supposed to be yeah. like, That's an awful guy. Like we never see him. Like we can't feel anything. Like so I like that he was there and he sort of had his own little story and growth and stuff. Like I I like that he was a part of the whole uh, journey that JTT had and stuff. Uh, when you were like talking about these like one-off characters that like kind of come in and come out, like as the journey goes on, I was just thinking of like the sequence in home alone where the mom is trying to get back. Yeah, to exactly. Going. But like that was better. Cause it was like this quirky band of like random mm-hmm. musicians or whatever it was. And they're like playing the whole time and she's trying to tell them to stop. And they're like, it just was better done. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked all the segments. Like I didn't, like sometimes I wish there were more, some like less. I think they could have like edited that a little bit better, but I I thought they were just fun. Like it was just harmless. Um, obviously not as good as Home Alone, but like just <laughs> harmless fun things. Like these old women who ended up being one of the more rowdy groups that he's been with. Um, like barfing and everything and getting kicked out. Uh, then he like waits so long. Like, why is he waiting still in the rain with this sign? That's obviously not readable. Like just questionable judgment. Um, he could be walking while standing there with a sign yeah. too. He just stands there. Yeah. And then stays in the rain. It made no sense, but um, funny visual gag, I guess. Um, yeah. And I liked the cop sort of this like robber and cop situation mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where this guy steals all this stuff and then tries to kill, almost kill Santa. And so he feels in debt. And everything. I thought that that was like a fun dynamic. I, I did. I could care less for the the eating the tomato off the like that <laughs> did not need to be in there. Like I was good with the yamming in your handbag or whatever it was. <laughs> um, that should have been my opening line. <laughs> but um, I like that. And then yeah, the 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 children's sequence probably went on a little too long with that one kid like yeah <laughs> putting a sob story. I think he's still going. Probably... <laughs> yeah, maybe. But we never really get resolution on that. Like, <laughs> was it like his family's like out of the country? He, they're just home like down the road, but he can't come because he's sick. Like, it just made no sense that there was like, I want to see my father and my uncle, my dog, my cat, my brother. My sister. Like, it's just so much. Um, but it did lead to a great moment where the three guys are on the, the pay phones. Yeah. And they all are like crying. They're like, I'm going to be home for Christmas <laughs> and all that stuff. Like, it was just it was just a fun, cool moment to have that. And. You know, and I guess maybe I'm the minority, but I really like the diner sequence with the stupid song. No, oh, that was that was one of the parts where I'm just like, can this be over with already? Um, you know, I never I never even thought about this until you mentioned it, but um, there is no resolution to that kid. So this entire movie is basically following the world's worst people. Like JTT, he is a terrible person in this movie. Jessica Biel is a terrible person in this movie. Eddie is a terrible person and owns it. The cop, not a nice guy. The, uh, you know, uh, Elf, the electronics, you know, thief, not a nice guy. The old lady's not nice people. We get this character who, who 
warms everybody's hearts and and really teaches people about you know the true meaning of christmas and he's gonna die in a hospital like what kind of message is this movie sending they should have had the parents and family run in with like presents we came for you and then they give him the same dustbuster santa just gave him (laughs) oh free gift it yeah free gift um Uh, there was just some weird things as well like in this diner sequence that i wasn't quite sure was going on like throughout the conversation of this story that like he made out with this girl or whatever and all of a sudden they're at the this one woman who's the only person working in this diner Mm -hmm. um on the day before christmas uh, (laughs) uh, or christmas eve or whatever but like and it's packed for this small town in wisconsin everybody's there i just didn't get that one guy who was like Oh, they got 10 months after. Because she's a babe. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, that kind of made me laugh. <laughs> that was like a little unnecessary. Like, we didn't need this random guy <laughs> chiming in here. It's like in the trajectory of bad characters. He just doesn't even matter. <laughs> um, The setup, I guess, for the rest of the movie is this Oktoberfest festival. Uh, which, why they're doing the Oktoberfest two days before Christmas I also don't get but Jessica Biel makes Eddie stop here uh, and one of the things I do like about Eddie is that they they don't make him this clear cut bad guy like yes he did set our hero JTT up but from that point on it's like he's actually being fairly decent to Jessica Biel you know he's he's trying to get with her yeah but he's also obeying his boundaries <laughs> you know there's no inappropriate touching or anything like that going on here uh, topical uh, for 1998, maybe not as much as 2019, but um, like he's a nice guy to her, and he even says a couple times like, you know, I'm not so bad or whatever. And uh, there's times where I'm like, maybe he she would be better with this guy than him, which is why I'm kind of torn on this whole Oktoberfest festival. First of all, why she wants to stop here? She's already driving with the world's slowest driver, and she wants to pull over for the night here, and. They get caught on TV, which JTT ends up, you know, when he's at the bus station, watching them on TV, which he's not even in the same town as them. They're in some small town, and this is being aired on local TV somewhere else, live. Where yeah, live TV of this event. Yeah, <laughs> across state lines, the Edelbrook Oktoberfest Christmas Festival or whatever. Um, but they're under mistletoe or whatever, and they're on camera, or I guess don't realize it, and... He kisses her or whatever, and she totally goes along with it. And they even make a joke about this later on, where she's like, it was for two seconds. And he goes, well, it was actually more like five, which it really is for going on for five. And this was like, can you really feel bad for this girl anymore? You know, she has, if she had been like, you know what, JTT, he's always lying about things. She doesn't bring that up. She defends him. When Eddie asks, what what do you see in him? What's better than him than me? And she gives this very bizarre story about the, the, this thing he said to her. Uh, and Eddie tries to spin it something like, you know, when I see corn, it reminds me of how big your ears are. or Something like that. I don't even remember what it is. But she's not saying anything bad about him. She's not even mad that he stood her up. And he has not done anything wrong. So if she had been like, I'm so mad at him. And then she kisses the other guy. And then she explains it later. That makes sense. But, like, she just does it here, so suddenly she's not likable either. We really do need that little boy to come back in the sequel. Uh, we need some type of redeemable character. Uh, but he sees this, so he just decides he has to go there. So he hops on the bus, and he wants them to detour. Uh, the bus driver won't pull over. 
He says this is direct bus to New York. And he concocts some weird thing where he finds a box and somebody's eating raw meat on the bus. <laughs> so he combines like this is one of these things where the jokes just don't make sense because it's just, well, how are we gonna have him? Well, what if he had to deliver a kidney? Okay, but why would there be a live kidney on a bus or a live liver on a bus? Well, there isn't. But what if one person had a box and another guy were eating a live kidney? <laughs> I just don't understand it. It's just bizarre how he comes up with this, how convenient they had this live organ on the bus that a man was eating. Uh, but he convinced him to pull over because there's a sick girl who needs this transplant. And everybody in the bus is suddenly like, whoa, we got to pull over or whatever. Now, this is some of the comedy that I think doesn't work. And I, I almost pinpointed the reason why the types of gags we're seeing and the types of characters, just the pure stupidity of everybody in this movie would lend itself to something, you know, like like a really over-the-top Jim Carrey or Ben Stiller movie. Like, this is something that would make sense in Dumb and Dumber. But this movie... I was going to say Elf. Like, or Elf. Elf, yeah. But this is a movie that is grounded in reality. And I'm not saying this needs to be art. I mean, yes, it's just a dumb teen comedy. But it's presenting itself as a realistic movie. None of the characters are that over-the-top. It's just that they act in a way that would only make sense if you made a more over-the-top comedy. So I kind of wish if they were to do things like this, they would just make it a really over-the-top Will Ferrell, Ben Stiller, Jim Carrey-like comedy. Uh, because it just... Just seeing all these people like, oh, the little girl's gonna die! I'm like, I just didn't buy it. And, and it could also just be another one of these things. A lot of these very quirky characters that are in there for 30 seconds. But eventually they do get him to pull over... Um, he goes searching for her. He amazingly finds her because this small town that has a live broadcast across the entire state uh, of their Oktoberfest festival has only one hotel, so he knows exactly where to go. He finds How the room. How did they get a room, like, on Christmas Eve without a reservation? Yeah. It, well, they even say, oh, the, sorry, this is the last room we have, but it is the most sought-after room in the hotel. Like, if they said, sorry, we only have one room left, and they usher them into a broom closet, then I bet that's the last one. But They're like, oh, the only room left is the honeymoon suite. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Um, but he storms in, he finds them in there, um, and uh, she's trying to say, oh, it's not what it looks like or whatever, and then Eddie comes out wrapped in a towel, and they have a little bit of a fight, but it's basically like it's over so quick, and you would think a movie like this where... She thinks he stood him up. He thinks she's cheated on him, that they should have had more conflict here. But it basically ends with saying, oh, he left you in the middle of the desert for dead. Okay. So she forgives him, doesn't say anything to Eddie. Nothing like, you scumbag. <laughs> you lied to me. You dragged me here against my will and and said, to, oh, okay, classic Eddie. Um, and then she immediately gets mad at him just because he says, I got to be home for Christmas. Otherwise, I'm not going to get this Porsche. So why is this the thing that pushes over the edge? She knows this. She is dating a pathological liar who was left in the middle of the desert for dead for a reason. And she's mad because he wants to get home for a Porsche. Like, I, there's so many things that I think could have been done better in selling the story. But I have to remind myself, it's 89-minute teen comedy or whatever. Um, so they split up here. She takes his bus ticket, which I guess she's allowed to get on the bus because the bus driver doesn't like JTT because he interfered in his nonstop route to New York. 
Uh, and here's where the logics of travel do not play because this bus, even if it's going nonstop to New York, JTT is immediately in the car with Eddie and suddenly they're buddies only to have it end 30 seconds later because he's like, sorry, you know what? You just reminded me I'm being way too nice. So get out of my car. And I like, why have this scene where they're together in the first place? Wouldn't it have just made more sense to have Eddie leave him again for dead? And then when Eddie gets, you know, pulled over by the cops later on, it's just, he, he gets what he deserves. I don't think they needed this scene, but he's not gone or, or he's not behind the bus at all. He's driving a car with Eddie, maybe minutes behind them. He gets kicked out of the car, immediately calls home, gets his sister who says, if you come home for Christmas because dad needs you to be home, whether it's for the Porsche or not, this is for him. I will send you the money for the ticket. He hops over to the airport, can't get on the plane. So why they they came up with this plan of the sister doing this if he's not going to get on the plane? Couldn't they have just cut out one of the steps and had him be like, the only way I can get home is to sneak on this because I got no ID. They're not going to let me on without ID. So he sneaks into the cargo hold in some type of dog carrier. Um, I don't know why they couldn't have just cut straight to that. But he's on a plane from Wisconsin to New York. Now, when he lands, just quickly, you know, uh, breezing through everything else that happens here, he sneaks off the plane. He gets into, uh, oh, sorry, I completely missed the Santa run before this. So he needs money. So he finds himself in a Santa run which is in the middle of nowhere. Um, and he wins the race uh, against, he finds out later on against the mayor. He gets the prize money and feels bad. So he decides to donate it to the mayor because the mayor donates it to other people. It's it's way too much going on here. Um, so Eddie, when he's trying to drive home, he gets stopped and he insults the police by saying, Hey, jingle balls or whatever. So they take him to prison because he called them jingle balls, apparently. Um, when he gets off the plane, he gets onto a train. They just come up to him. This was one of the funniest moments in the movie. I don't even, I don't know why it was so funny to me when the guy comes up and says, hello, sir, can I see, do you have a ticket? And he goes, nope. And then the next thing you see is just kicking off the train. The fact that JT doesn't even want to try to con his way out of it anymore. He said, no, no ticket. So he's just right off onto the street. He finds a parade where there's a sled. He steals the sled uh he drives not to his dad's house to get the porsche because he's in such a rush he stops us at jessica beale's house she is home and decorating the tree and he flew there and it's not like he had any other breaks if they had him fly there and then he was hitchhiking before he could you know get a car or a a taxi to come and then he was waiting and waiting for a train it makes sense but she beat him here on a bus um but this is where it's kind of like this nice ending where he just shows up at her place instead just says, okay, just come with me or whatever. Uh, she forgives him. He goes to his dad's house. He's like, hey, it's 5.59. You have a minute to spare. He goes, all right, let's just sit here. And she's like, why? You're going to miss it. And he goes, I know that's the point. And it, it's it's actually a really clever ending. I don't think you see it coming because he is still being a con artist. And he he is very self-centered all the way up until this moment. They, they don't even have that moment. Sure, they have the moment where they have him, you know, feeling like oh i should donate this to the poor people that the mayor was going to donate it to but it's not enough that you actually believe he's gonna you know give up this porsche but he waits outside for an extra minute so that he could walk in a minute late and everybody's happy to see him and he's like well here's your keys and he goes no i'm not ready for that yet or the car's not ready yet uh so 
he did this just so that his dad knew it wasn't for the Porsche. He has this nice little moment with the the stepmom because she had asked him earlier on what his sweater size was, and he just says to her, "It's like, hi, how you doing, Carol? Thirty six. And it's like, what do you mean? It's like thirty six. That's my sweater size. In case you ever wanted to know. And it's this nice moment. Uh, they go outside. The parade came to his house. I don't even know what happened here. If you can explain to me what this, I've seen this movie twice now. I don't understand why these parade people show up. They show up because of the sled, but why do they just instantly leave? And it's like, hey, you good job, JTT. And that's kind of just the end of the movie. Happy, happily ever after. Um, a lot of stuff that doesn't work, but. I don't know if you ever saw Christmas with Cranks, but you know I really have the same feeling. I, I feel like it can be a dumb comedy, have majority of the jokes not work, but there's something nice about the ending. You're like, okay, that's a nice Christmas movie. So, I mean, overall, not bad. Um, Eddie getting towed away by the cops, I, I don't understand the reason for that. A lot of logic doesn't exist here. Uh, the laws of physics don't exist because Jessica Biel apparently teleported there, but still, nice, fun ending. Yeah, I feel like half of the not the middle of the movie was very like slapsticky and just lost it. Like mm-hmm. I think the beginning and the end had that like cheesy esque fun movie that you're just like sit back, relax, and it's fun. It's got romance, it's got drama, but like it's not too much to think about, you know. In the middle it just loses it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um one thing that we didn't like talk about too much was the conversation between JTT and his stepmom mm-hmm. where she he's like, oh, where are they? They're, oh, they're out. And I was like, oh, I thought this was going to be the moment where she like is a little bit more like of a bad person. Evil like, stepmom? I thought that <laughs> yeah, like just because he said like there's misunderstandings. Like I feel like it was a situation where like oh, both of them could be like at a bad point, like not acknowledging each other or something like that. Mm-hmm. And when she later saw the the the, the two in the garage I was like oh wow he lied to her like she lied to him about them being home or something like that it didn't end up being that I just thought that there'd be more drama in that relationship mm-hmm. which we get nothing of like which I wish we explored more that that's like the whole reason he doesn't want to go home I think it's woman well yeah but what I like about that and I do agree that they could have definitely done more with it but what I like about it is that from his point of view this woman came in, his mom's barely been gone, and this woman came in. But from everybody else's point of view, it's like, you're holding it against this woman when she's done nothing wrong because you feel sad that your mom's gone. Both ways, it's not really explored, though. I get it. Yeah, like, this was just central to the plot. I wish we'd gotten at least something out of it. We hardly hear from her. She has, like, six lines in the mm-hmm. whole movie. Um, and I have no idea what that means. Like, my sweater size is 36. I've never <laughs> bought sweaters by number. I know! <laughs> And say, he even wow. says or a medium yeah like what is a 36 that's I've a pant size that. yeah that's what i thought they were talking about but like jtt like, oh, could not even be a 30 like he is a small guy he's a high school student yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't get any of that number sizing and then when he's like what's your number and she's like oh what do you mean like that that was just so weird mm-hmm. like I know it was supposed to be cute, but it was so weird. She's like, oh, I'm an eight. Like, (laughs) so weird. Um, Yeah, I hate, like, I thought it was funny, like, watching the liver sequence going on, like, but so stupid. Like, and he stole that guy's, like, tackle box or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then he didn't notice, like, hey, that looks like my box. Where is mine? Like, he just forgave everything. And then the military guy on the thing is like, you got to stop this bus right now. This is, it was just so weird. Like, like like you said, like inexplainable how this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I do have to say like one thing that I really appreciated in the arguing in the hotel room, the honeymoon suite was when the guy comes out of the shower and JTT just rips the towel off. Yeah. <laughs> and there's the like clever like picture of whatever in front of his like privates. Mm-hmm. It was just a funny, I didn't, I did not expect that at all. Like, uh, so that was funny. And like, yes, there's a little bit of problems with how they argue and what should be the real issue versus what becomes the issue. Uh, and a lot of questionable travel issues in this entire movie that I don't think would fly today. Like, I don't think you could exchange one ticket for two tickets to another place. I don't think a girl could buy a ticket with her like allowance money over the phone and then give to her brother. <laughs> I don't think you can sneak onto a plane or a train or steal you, a sleigh. Like, I you don't know what else? I don't think you can get from California to New York in that amount of time, especially if you're taking breaks, like I looked it up and it's something like maybe you could make it in 48 hours, which is this movie is supposed to take place over two and a half days. They stop for two full nights. <laughs> and even from Wisconsin there, like that's, that's hours upon hours. Like the, the drive itself, apparently they were going like, I don't know the speed of light. Yeah. And it should be even worse because it's like, two days before christmas so travel traffic and everything should be even worse there's nobody on the road anywhere even the airport is deserted (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) makes no sense um yeah i definitely felt like the santa race and this part of the movie was really like rushed they were like oh shoot we haven't done like any sort of character building moments with any of the characters yet Mm mm-hmm so let's get rid of the villain. Let's have him go to jail for no explained reason. <laughs> um, and then they're like, oh, JTT wins the race, but then has a conscious all of a sudden about the $1,000. So he's got to give it to the mayor, um, which apparently everyone knows his home address. Like, yeah. <laughs> knows his home address. It's a little weird. Um, and then he's like, oh, you could stay for dinner. And he's like, no, I got to go. And then we're supposed to be like, oh, JTT, you're such a good human now. <laughs> like, he's changed. Like, uh, makes no sense. Um and then, yeah, he goes to his, like, girlfriend's house, um, which I'm not sure how far they're in this relationship, but she's just willing to kiss this random guy under the mistletoe. Mm. Um, and why is she still decorating the tree if it's Christmas Eve? Like, yeah. <laughs> doesn't make sense. He goes home. He gets the car. Like, I thought that was cute. Like, I like I liked the ending. Like, I thought that was, like, a fun, like, kind of way to close everything out. Like, it closed all the like storylines that were going everything except for somehow this parade people were like like pitchforking it to the houses and stuff mm. like um that didn't really make sense i still don't know why they were like trekking to there over anywhere else but apparently they recognized him or something maybe i don't know um and then one thing that we didn't talk about earlier in the the movie was which is your picture the bathroom scene with that kid oh yeah <laughs> and the ho 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 that was just too good i was like at first i saw the kid come out of the stall and he was i thought he was gonna be like oh, santa you're yeah small or something. like it was not it that was like the biggest anti-christmas moment in the entire movie where he just like subverts what you expect to happen mm-hmm. where it's like this kid's all excited for christmas and seeing santa but he's like yeah that that wasn't good or like that was scary like just like mm-hmm. deadpanning it i just thought that was a fun moment um overall i really liked the movie it was stupid but like it's a christmas movie there's not a lot of depth in some of these (laughs) um well just to get opinions from outside of us 
Uh, I'll be home for Christmas. No, we are the sole opinions. No one else is. We're matters. the authority here. Um, do we agree though? Uh, at twenty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes or five point five on IMDb, the audience is definitely kinder to this than critics are. Uh, looking at uh, a few of the reviews here, um, pinpoint some of my problems with the movie. Uh, it's the cinematic equivalent of a flavored rice cake, palatable while you're chewing and completely forgotten 10 minutes later. Because I saw this movie not that long ago, like a couple years, and yet I've already forgotten it. Uh, none, of the, none of the cast comes off well, but they have little work with since the dialogue sounds like it was made up on the spot and performed without rehearsal. Um, and here's one uh, slightly positive one. Arrogance gives way to humility, making this an appropriate, if thoroughly cliched, Christmas morality tale that's sugar-coated with an attractive cast spouting sitcom-quality dialogue. Uh, not great reviews. Box office, huge bomb. I mean, this wasn't as bad as Wild America. It's it's fun, kind of funny. Like, JTT, I don't think it was ever, like, a massive box office draw, but I think people have to remember the 90s was completely different. This would almost be unheard of now, even for teenagers to be getting major, you know, budget movies. Teenagers now they'll have movies released on the Disney Channel, but these were still theatrical movies. And you know, he had a couple of moderate hits like Man of the House and uh, Tom and Huck, and uh, you know, this movie comes out and opens number six at the box office. Um, now, looking at the competition for that weekend. Uh, Number one movie was The Waterboy in its second weekend. Number two was the opening of I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Number three, Meet Joe Black. Number four, The Siege. Number five, Ants. I'll be home for Chris and Pine that number six with only $3.8 million. Uh, overall box office for the entire year i'll be home for christmas makes $12.2 million for number 117 of the year grossing slightly less than Barney's Great Adventure. Uh, which is unbelievable that more people saw Barney's Green Adventure than saw I'll Be Home for Christmas. Uh, and plot keywords here. I'm not going to go through every single one of them because there's one that is absolutely incredible and I can't wait to see what... Oh, no, sir, I've got two here that I'm going to look up. One, student inside school locker month. Uh, I'll Be Home for That's Christmas. we should cover that, that month. <laughs> yeah. <in the> <laughs> We don't even have enough for a month here. We've got I'll Be Home for Christmas, Spooksville episode Blood Drive, and Max Steel episode Secret Identity Crisis. There have got to be more than three people with kid in a school locker. Uh, and here's the big one. Embarrassing Male Nudity Month coming soon to the Oz Network. Please. <laughs> this is Jamie's month. Uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas. This is where I leave you. Dirty Grandpa... Oh, Ramona, American Reunion, Planet of the Apes. There's embarrassing male nudity in Planet of the Apes? Uh, that's weird. But uh, maybe we'll throw that month out there somewhere. Uh, Rossi, we've managed to keep this under an hour. What do you want to do? Do you want to buy this movie? Do you want to rent it? Do you want to bin it? I'm still kind of on the fence. I think I'm going to rent it. I feel like middle of the road, like nothing great, nothing bad. Like it's just fun, harmless, Um kind of standard like nothing too flashy nothing too crazy some things were unexpected some things were totally expected so i think kind of middle of the road is safe for me um and while i'm i'm kind of i was looking at kind of reviews right now and i wanted to see if roger ebert had covered it <laughs> and he had oh you gotta read it to me he gave it one star and I, the the review is kind of generic but the one thing that i really liked is the last line um 
I'll be home for Christmas will appeal to people who fail to care if nothing good happens in a movie, just as long as nothing bad happens in it. <laughs> that, that's totally... Which is kind of how I feel, like middle of the road. Like... Yeah. Yeah, you're you're the lowest common denominator, according to Roger Ebert. <laughs> you're a one-star um, worthy viewer. Uh, I'm going to agree with you on a rent, but I'm going to say this is a very low rent, just because... Even though I kind of not, I wouldn't say fondly. I sort of slightly fondly remembered this movie. You know, years later, everything I remembered is all on the end. Um, and there is some good stuff in the middle, but there's also a lot of stuff where I'm like, just end it already. And I just want to also say, uh, I was watching this on my phone, and during the Oktoberfest festival, the yodeling music with yodeling, yodeling. Jamie had no idea what I was doing, and she just looks and says, like, what are you listening to? I'm like, I'm not listening to anything. It's Jonathan Taylor Thomas Christmas movie. It's like, that is not a Christmas movie. I had to show it to her to prove it to her, but um, <laughs> uh, she just thinks I listen to your little music. Um, uh, that's not your usual no, yodeling the, uh, song. Price is Right uh, game. Oh, yeah, the yodel game for the Price is Right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think this is a low rent. It, it's not bad enough to be a bin, uh, but I don't think it's good enough to be like, oh, definitely. If it's, I'm going to say this is a rent if it is on TV and a Charlie Brown Christmas is not on at the same time. Then <laughs> maybe watch I'll Be Home for Christmas. <laughs> or or watch it to put an extra dollar in the pocket of Adam LaVorgna, <laughs> who we yeah, know is listening. Fan of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways... That's it for us for this year, this Christmas, Christmas month. month. Yeah, Christmas month is over in 60 minutes. Uh, we do not have much else going on right now, other than we got a bunch of best ofs yeah. coming out. We got best of the year coming out. Uh, we got best of the decades coming out, multiple best of the decades. And the best of the decades, in case anybody's wondering, is going to be covering all of our old Survivor Oz stuff, as well as all the Oz Network stuff. So you're going to have best of stuff literally going back a decade uh, with all of our Oz shows, uh, and oh, then in the, the in the, the new year, the throwbacks for that, the what, the throwbacks for us. Oh yeah, old school. Maybe we'll have Rossi's first appearance. I don't even know when Rossi's first appearance was. Uh, not because it would have been what my intro interview. Or yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, if Ben does a montage of that, it'll be brilliant. But uh, <laughs> other than that, we got a new project starting the new year, uh, which is going to be Total Drama Island, which is an animated parody of reality shows survivor specifically and we've already started covering this we're gonna have great episodes me rossi and jared it's gonna be our first anime thing but this is like it's we're covering it from the beginning this is like the third watch the nip tucks if you're a fan of third watch and nip tuck i'm sure you'll be a fan of total drama island or if you're just if you're a fan of listening to podcasts on forgotten shows from the beginning Excuse all the way you. through the end forgotten is not the right word for total drama island <laughs> take that back okay just third watch treasured uh, <laughs> treasured shows then listen to our total drama island that's all coming in the new year make sure as always to subscribe to us on iTunes follow us on Stitcher um, <laughs> listen to us on Facebook um, better than I usually just say download the episodes goodbye <laughs> <laughs> find us wherever you can listen to us and Remember us on the year-end best of. And until next time and next year, my name is Colin, and I just yammied off my beard. And my name is Rossi, and Merry Christmas. Oh, oh, oh. That was scary. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.